Welcome to another episode of Evolution of Solutions. I'm Chavi Sachdev and I'm delighted you're joining me on this podcast where I talk to leading tech experts for an in-depth discussion about impactful technologies of the day and how they're building a better tomorrow. This series is brought to you by The Better India in association with Accenture. And in this episode, we turn our attention to virtual reality and augmented reality. When you hear the term VR, you probably think of Oculus Rift or immersive games or even the gesture tech in Minority Report. But what I want to focus on today is how these immersive virtual experiences are making a positive difference. Let's start first by explaining the difference between a few terms that are often used interchangeably, virtual reality, or VR, and augmented reality, or AR. Here's Sairam Sagiraju, a filmmaker who enhances his stories with these immersive elements. Okay. Virtual reality is um, a medium that ports people to another space. And augmented reality uh, brings the virtual world to your own physical space. Simply put, AR imposes or overlaps the virtual world on your physical space. For example, you could see virtual food on your own dining table. While VR would simply cut you off from reality and transport you to a completely virtual world, you'd be sitting in a restaurant. So the premise of VR uh, is to port people to another space and another time if needed. And the ideal way to experience VR is with the VR headsets. Um, So with the wearable uh, technology, you Uh, it's a lot more immersive than watching it on uh, a flat screen. If you look at any visual medium, uh, be it paintings or conventional cinema uh, or even posters, uh, they've all been constricted to a frame, uh, a square or a rectangle. Uh, So pretty much uh, all visual media from caveman paintings to 3D films have have been restricted to a surface and a box. And everything was limited to uh, within that frame. And for the first time, VR is this medium where it allows you to enter that frame and live and inhabit that space that the artist has created. If you've been on one of those rides that make you simulate flying a plane, that's VR. And the most rudimentary form of AR is the game Pokemon Go, which was quite a rage recently. And if it's all happening together, it's mixed reality, or MR. The first time virtual reality was imagined and described in popular culture was a 1935 story called Pygmalion Spectacles by Stanley G. Weinbaum. But the first time it was experienced was in 1962, when Morton Heilig invented the Sensorama, or as it was also called, the Cinerama. Basically projected a semicircular, uh, really wide image by using multiple projectors. So it increased the field of view. Uh, On a typical screen, uh, it's probably taking just a fraction of your uh, field of view. Your eyes can still see so much outside of the frame. So the Cinerama kind of widened that and tried to include more of a person's field of view. It was kind of like a hooded desk, and you put your head and some of your torso inside it, kind of like a driving game in a video arcade. And the seat also vibrated, 
and sometimes a scent was also released to enhance the experience. Since then, VR has been used in not just gaming and military training, but immersive learning, healthcare, travel, conservation, and even to rehab prisoners who are being released from prison after a long time to reacquaint them with the world outside. But from this to VR headsets and Google Glass, why has it taken more than 50 years? Sairam says the most significant development for its acceptance has been the growing computing power of the smartphone. Uh, smartphones were at the center of bringing virtual reality to the consumers. So uh, with better computing power and better resolution of the screens, it became possible to experience VR with an attached headset. So uh, it was the phone that was uh, acting as a computing device. But of course, now um, there are all-in-one uh, headsets that do not require the phone. They have a, a built-in screen, a built-in storage uh, system, and also speakers. But yes, in 2015, it was the smartphone that changed everything for VR. And of course, the year before that, another significant thing had happened. Here's Tithi Tiwari. So in 2014, Facebook had just acquired Oculus Rift and there was a lot of conversation happening about immersive technologies. At that point in time, I felt, uh, along with my co-founder, you know, we should try and see how immersive technologies can help in our domain. Tithi is the founder and co-creator of Trezi, India's first fully immersive virtual reality product for the building industry. It's an immersive platform that connects architects, interior designers, and building product manufacturers. Tithi's background is in architecture, and she saw a specific need to propel this industry away from what she says is a very primitive way of working and communicating. Let's say you have this, this home to design and an architect was, uh, you know, finalized for the same. In the traditional process, they would actually go back and forth on paper, uh, creating the space planning layout. Then they would start talking to you about what would your bedroom look like or your living room look like through some mood images, which is again static stills. And then they would start building up a model. Then they'll start showing you 3Ds for specific to your uh, taste and liking. Then they'll show you materials. Now, all of this can be the moment the architect builds the space plan, it can just kind of, you know, be uploaded into Trezi. And within Trezi, there are a lot of options. So People can basically go inside designs that are not yet built. And with the click of a mouse, in just seconds, show different options of any element. Uh, if the process of design was, let's say, for a, for a 100,000 square feet project, was three months from concept to design development, they are now being able to you know, save about 30% of that and finish it in two months now. So collaborative and location agnostic tools will significantly save time and also your carbon footprint. Another big application is in trainings, where people can prepare for potentially dangerous or rare situations. With, with VR, you don't have to have a trial by fire in order to know how to put it out. And you can train on a simulation, be it for natural disasters or surgeries or navigation. And with a show-don't-tell kind of system, you can reach people who don't read or speak the same language. 
Sairam says it's also very useful in the realm of social change. Uh, VR is is regarded as an empathy machine because it puts you in another's shoes, right? Uh, you're able to understand the topic uh, more personally, and you're able to relate to the player in that story. So, empathy is a crucial factor when it comes to driving social change. And cinematic VR has done that. And to quote an example, Chris Milk's VR documentary called uh, Clouds Over Cedra, uh, it's, it's a story of a Syrian refugee girl. And this VR experience was so moving that the UN used it for fundraising and they saw a significant increase in donations. VR has been used to share the aftermath of an earthquake or even show caregivers what someone with Down syndrome or Alzheimer's is going through. VR is still not quite mainstream, though, and one challenge is finding skilled developers for these different applications. Fear not, though, it's something a lot of people want to learn, and Tracy, in fact, is working with architecture students to teach them how to use this particular platform. Both Tithi and Sairam say the world will be experienced differently within 10 years. I feel that a headset, which is uh, which used to be very clunky and heavy, which has already become quite sophisticated, you know, from where it is, it used to be to where it has come. And now with all of these experiments happening on glass, on lightweight materials, on, you know, um, uh, complete uh, frames per second FPS, as we call it, you know, in the tech technical terms, I think, uh, you know, the headset will become like a pair, I think just glasses, like how we carry our shades with us. It'll be literally in our pocket and it'll wow. be the computing device. Sairam says it won't replace real world experiences, of course. People will still want to travel. They still want to go to the supermarket, even though they can shop online. But VR is going to be the bridge experience. E-commerce has been kind of boring, according to me. It's still 2D. It's on a flat surface. Uh, you're missing out on the social, social experience of going out, looking at a browsing, you know, shelves. So I think VR is going to bring that closer. Already you can try on eyeglasses and lipstick shades, but we're talking about being in a store and maybe even a movie. That's what's exciting him most as a filmmaker. The way you would experience films might change drastically. Not only would you just sit and watch something, you'd also be able to navigate that space, walk around the characters, and yeah, so that's been possible with uh, animation, uh, but with live action video, uh, it's, it's going to take this to a whole new level. So you could enter the matrix or take a seat at the bar next to the hero when he cases the joint. Next up though, haptics. Currently, you can wear gloves and then feel things that aren't really there. But we're now thinking of haptics without wearables. Now, can you, yeah, can you imagine getting uh, a sense of touch without, okay, I'll tell you how that happened. We were given a demo by this company called Ultra Haptics. And how it worked was they had devices in a room that emitted ultrasonic vibrations that we could feel in thin air. Not only could Sairam feel the shapes of objects, but also feel and burst bubbles that weren't really there. A couple of years back, they was this entire thing about uh, how many Ds would you introduce? So how many dimensions are you going to introduce? So there's 3D, 4D, 
5D, 6D, 7D, so you know, seven senses. So seven senses are coming in into play when you're creating an experience. So uh, a work is already happening on this. Uh, in terms of how it will get used, uh, the especially the, the scent part, maybe to, to taste coffee, to taste uh, tea, I, 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 I can't say, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, maybe for the perfume uh, industry. So I feel that the world will be very different. Uh, uh, the way everything will get tied up uh, with, uh, you know, these experiences, which will be 7D, which will be, you know, immersive, which will be overlaid or layered in, in many different ways. And people will come up with uh, uh, different ways to address uh, issues which uh, haven't existed up till now. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see the future. Thanks for joining me on this series about the tech that links today and tomorrow. Don't forget to check out our previous episodes in which we touched on AI, the Internet of Things and robotics. All these episodes are on our website, www.thebetterindia.com slash evolution of solutions. Until next time, I'm Chavi Sachdev, signing off.